HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. This week on Meet and 3, we're getting semantic to understand the deeper meaning behind some of the foods we love. First, we'll look at the big debate happening around the word milk. Who the hell are you to tell me what does the name of my product and my landscape and everything we've cared about when, you know, you don't have anything invested in except to put out a little money to buy it? (laughs) It's our entire life. Then we get the lowdown on the language of cider. So the first thing that's really confusing about dryness is that it has nothing to do with how something actually feels in your mouth. And finally, we get our fill of tiki talk. You don't walk into a tiki bar and be like, oh yeah, this is what Polynesia is probably like. Like, it's, it's supposed to be like fantasy and stuff. That's the hard part. It's so easy to do tiki bad, and that's where it gets a bad name. Tune into this week's episode of Meat and 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Giampiero Bertolini. We'll talk to Giampiero about Brunello di Montalcino and, of course, Biondi Santi. We'll taste a little Biondi Santi for our weekly wine sip. And Giampiero slipped in a few other bottles, so we'll taste those. I'm your host, Sam Benruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Giampiero Bertolini began his career at none other than Procter & Gamble. After many years of P&G, he moved into the wine business, taking a job at Italian wine icon Frescobaldi, spending 16 years overseeing global sales and marketing. Giampiero left Frescobaldi last year to become the CEO of storied Brunello di Montalcino producer Biondi Santi and its seven-generation winemaking family in El Greppo, Italy. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Giampiero. 
Thank you, Sam. Did I get that intro right? You did well. You did, did I? Well. Okay, good. I want to make Thank sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I want everyone to know we're going to talk a lot about Montalcino. We're going to talk about Biondi Santi. But I want to give everyone a little context, and I want you to give us a little background on your journey in life and wine that got you very recently to Biondi Santi. So tell me a little about that journey. So that journey has been a fantastic journey, I would say, because as you say, I'm coming from a different world, which was still about liquid, but different kind of liquid. So when I joined right. the wine business, I, I was really happy. That was back in 2002. And uh, I entered this world by chance by meeting the, my former boss uh, skiing on the mountain in, uh, in Tuscany. And after two days skiing together, he told me, Jean-Pierre, why don't you come to us? I have a nice place in the wine business. And I say, listen, this is not really what I was thinking. And after four months, I joined this beautiful world, which is the wine business. And uh, recently, I was asked to take this position as a CEO of Biondi Santi, which uh, for me was a dream because, you know, Biondi Santi is an icon in uh, an iconic wine. In, uh, not only in Italy, internationally recognized. Sure. And uh, so when the French uh, people, which are now the new owner of the, of the group, which obviously owns uh, Biondi Santi, asked me to take this position, I was really excited because uh, to have the possibility to uh, reinvest and put back this uh, iconic wine in, uh, in the right places in the world, for me has been... Uh, really a dream. So let me ask you about that. So you went from a multi-generational family, the Frescobaldi's, yeah. to another multi-generational family, uh, the Biondi Santi wine family. Um, the difference is, and you just mentioned it, this one is owned by a large European company. Um, are you experiencing any major differences or challenges, or you don't feel that in this environment? Uh, well, uh, basically, yes, there is a difference. There is a difference because uh, in the first case, the family has been, uh, is very much involved right. in, in the business, on a daily business, uh, which is good, uh, but it's also limiting probably the, the way you can really uh, work and act uh, uh, on a daily basis, you know, also on a strategic view. With Biondi Santi is a completely different because they gave me this responsibility. I just report periodically what I'm doing. We get aligned on uh, the strategies, and then it's uh, it's my goal. Right. So that's the biggest difference uh, which I found so now, far. Now, what about capital? Do you feel you have access, or is there you know a commitment to capital to help you? Yes, World. definitely, definitely. That was part of the deal when I decided to come here, and that was my first question. Uh, In order to make the brand exactly, exactly. go where you want it. Absolutely. They invested a lot of money to buy the brand because, as you know, that it was not just value based on the hectares. There was a right. price for the value of the brand, and they want to make this brand again back where it deserves. So right. they have money, they have capital, and... Uh, it, that's challenging. That's, uh, that's really Now, amazing. because you're going to fix it, and we don't like to dwell on the negative, you say we want to bring the brand back to where it is. 
what what's happened? Is it farming? Is it winemaking? Is it marketing? I mean, what what needs the attention? Well, the attention is, uh, I would say, 360 degree because uh, basically what happened is that the family beyond this auntie decided to uh, to get uh, a new partner, new capital to keep investing in the company. That was not possible for the family because right. I mean, they didn't have the they means. They didn't have the possibility. Right. So uh, this is the key to keep doing right. what we have been doing for 200 years. The uh, prospects and, wouldn't be great without exactly, the interaction. Exa- without that. So that, that's the key point. The, 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 the wine is excellent today, but we believe that we can do better so, and better and better. So, so will we, it have any effect you coming in and EPI on the culture and on not. the product? No, not at all. Okay. Our, our word is uh, evolution, it's not revolution. So we are there to keep going and to keep growing quality, to be growing the, the mentality of the people, to be growing distribution in the world, but not doing revolution. Right. Absolutely not. Um, so your objectives and goals in the next few years, you may have stated, but again, what are they? Well, we have a long-range plan for uh, first investment that starts from the vineyard into the cellar. We may uh, have a new cellar in five years' time, which will be state Much of the needed? Art. Much needed to, to, to keep the quality going up. Right. Absolutely, yes. But... Everything has the target to keep coherence in the product as has been so far in the, in the, in the last two, two centuries. So obviously we want to, to grow, right. but our strategy is a value strategy. We can grow much in volume because that's the, basically what we have in terms of volume, but uh, we want to grow in value because right. we believe that Beyond Disanti could stay in a competitive arena which is an international arena it's not Brunello it's not Italy it's an international arena and our competitor are the French wine which are valued much higher than Burgundy right and we believe that this brand deserve a much higher position in the market I agree and you have a background yeah where you can yeah. push that yeah. are any of the objectives to acquire more acreage or not immediately we are looking around because we need some more uh, acres of uh, Brunello to improve overall what we are we have today in Greppo so we need to replant some of the right. vineyard because existing that, it's existing that's part of the process obviously right. so to avoid any loss of production we need to buy something to use that to replace the new one right um, so that'll happen in the next few years probably even Soon. shorter okay than that, yeah. all right so Help me talk about Montalcino, yep. um, which is really um, the birthplace of Brunello de Montalcino mm-hmm. and, you know, where you do everything. I want to talk to you about geography, climate, the terroir, grapes, you know, which are all important in making Brunello. Yeah. Um, let's start with the grape. Mm-hmm. It's a Sangiovese grape. Sangiovese. Sangiovese, Sangiovese which... Uh, Some people say it's finicky, it's hard. I mean... It is. Almost it's, like uh, a Pinot Noir, thin skin. It's not yeah. thin skin, but tell no, me no. why people think that. It's a very delicate uh, 
varietal, definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's not like Pinot Noir, definitely, because the skin is not as thin as the right. Pinot Noir, but uh, technically it's not an easy, it's not an easy varietal. Um, but that's the, it's also the varietal most cultivated in Italy, so we have right. a lot of experience in Italy, and specifically in Tuscany, we can say that the quality Sangiovese are coming from Tuscany, no, no doubt about right. that. And in Tuscany, Montalcino is probably the peak of the pyramid in so, terms of quality. And Montalcino is a very <coughs> specific area. Let's talk about terroir and climate there. Climate, yeah. very warm in the growing season. And what type of soils yeah. are the most beneficial? Yeah. So the climate is quite hot during summer, but there is a lot of ventilation. So it's a windy area. and uh, But also here, it depends very much where we are located in Montalcino, because Montalcino is a very nice hill with four different exposure. So that makes the difference also in the wine. Right. So if you, you know? look at a hill, there's exactly. the top, middle, bottom, north, exactly. south, north, east, south, west. So west. where are you situated? We are situated in the southeast part, which is uh, one of the best in terms of soil. And now we are okay. going to the soil because it's where mm, predominantly we have galestro. Galestro is this soil which is very suitable for Sangiovese, especially in the upper part of Montalcino, predominantly is, is galestro, and we are there. And that's why, uh, that, that was because the, the, the Biondi Santi family, when they came to Montalcino two centuries ago, they They decided, were among the first. Exactly. They, they got were, the pick, they were, right? They, they got that. They got that because they, they, they were definitely the first to choose the, the location for, for Sangiovese. So the, the vineyards are situated in Montalcino in the best spots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Galestra is, it's not just in Montalcino, but it's no. very... It's very you know, and describe what it is. You know, when people say loamy or sandy or clay, they can imagine. If you're well, looking at Galestro, Galestro what is a stony soil. Stony. Stony, and these uh, stones are made predominantly of sand, compressed. Okay. Which gives minerality to the wine, allows the, the roots of the Sangiovese going very further down. And uh, so, uh, obviously, the vineyard, the older they are, because, and the better it is, because with Galestro, they go down, down, down into the soil, and that gets more power and more minerality. Right. And so they, they struggle and strain. And exactly. So t two things. The Galestra, which is sandy, at touch, does it break up? or it's, No, it it's, breaks. It, so it's, it's not firm. It's, 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 it's a compressed not, sand. It's a compressed sand, yes. And yeah. then what about rain or irrigation? The, the rain is very limited and... No, it's not very limited. It depends, obviously, on the, on the on every season. Year and the right. season every year. But it's a, it's a regular rainy area. It's not something much rainy. It's, right. plus, uh, it's more rainy than south of Tuscany, where, for example, the Marimas area. Right. Uh, we cannot use irrigation. So the, that's, uh, that's by... That's uh, part of the regulation. Part of the regulation, or, right. yes. So, and, and you talked about, you know, it depends on the year. Obviously, some years could be rainy, some can be drier. But it seems to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm a drinker and fan of uh, Brunello's and Sangiovese, it seems like of late, one year has been very good, the next year was okay, good, okay. I mean, generally, it's been good, but am I seeing that right? 
you know, as the critics would rate it a higher vintage, then a little lower and then back higher and lower. I mean, do you feel and see that, you know, in the vineyards? Well, you see that. You see that, but obviously it's a natural phenomenon, so we, you cannot control that. But the important thing is to have vineyard that you can really, by selecting more in, in bad vintages, you can really keep the quality high. Right, that's, that's the, the way secret. you do it. So we have an average uh, uh, age of the vineyard, which is quite high. That helps very much in those kind of uh, uh, vintages. The, so the, the roots and the all roots, uh, The roots that, that are down further in the, in the soil, so that's... Uh, so what vintage year is currently in the market? And we'll talk about the aging process in a few yeah. minutes. Yeah. What, what are we... Well, now we have for the, the Brunello Annata, we have vintage 2012, and we are about to release 13 in two for months. The Anata, for, for the Annata, which is the regular. The right. regular Brunello. And then the Reserva. The Reserva, we have the 2011. Okay, so the 11 and 12 Beyond exactly. the Santi. Because Beyond the Santi is always behind all the other Brunellos. Right. All right, let's talk a little about Beyond the Santi, specifically Santi. Um, you know, we framed what's going on in Montalcino and where you're at. Mm -hmm. um, give me a short synopsis of the story of Beyond Santi. And I think people are interested anyway, but there's a very key component that Beyond Santi is really the originator of Brunello de Montalcino. So just yeah. give me a quick walkthrough of that. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's an exciting story. As I said, today we, uh, we, are, we have the seventh generation on board, which is Tancredi. And his grand-grandfather was also Tancredi, was probably right. one of the major drivers for the quality in Montalcino. And definitely they invented the Brunello in uh, 1888. Uh, now, what's to invent? I mean, everybody made wine all over the world. No, what was the, the, the invention? The invention was to get the, the, um, the Sangiovese, which was called Sangiovese Grosso at the time, right. and to make that 100%. So, it's so a, the 100% 100% part was an important wine part, was quality. Important, absolutely, with some rules which then were, were adopted by the by the consortium in the in the 70s where the consortium was invented basically right. but the, the 1970s in the nine yes the 19, doc the doc yes right the, the 1970s was it a, just explain quickly what the doc is it was a consortium for quality it's a consortium for quality which uh, basically uh, drive all the rules to be respected by producers to have a certain quality so it's uh, how much you have to produce per hectares, uh, all this stuff that guarantee that the quality is there. So the group is a representation. There, there is was consistency and quality. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. And every year you have to give samples to the consortium when you have produced the wine, and, they, and you have to be accepted by, by a panel of experts. All right, so I, I went off the track. Let's go back to the history. So... The Beyond Tancredi innovated yeah. Brunello, Brunello by creating a high quality, 100% Sangiovese yes. wine. Yes. yes. And actually, the, it was his father, Clemente. His, his, right. Clemente and then Tancredi keep doing that, and Franco was uh, bringing that around the world. And it, it, whether it sounds like much or not, nobody was really doing that, right? I no, mean, not he, at all. he. Yeah, not at all. If you think that in Italy, 
the the wine bottled in bottle like this one, a 750 bottle, was something very rare in the last century, and they did in the previous century, because they had this clear vision of quality, and they put the wine in this kind of bottle already in the 80s. Right. So that was a, a clear sign of what they wanted to achieve through the production of wine, which right. was very unusual. Right. Very unusual. Um, <coughs> so let's talk about we have a few wines in front of us. Yeah. It's a good time to take a quick break. Yeah, Let's. Ch- you mentioned the Anata, yep. which is the um, the regular, and I don't yeah. like to use the word regular beyond no, no, no. the It's the Brunello. But it's the Brunello. It's the 2012. 12. Yeah. And it was recently released. Yeah, this was released a few months ago. The 2012 is an amazing vintage in Montalcino. You so know that, that was my first question. You were yeah. happy with Very the vintage, the climate, much. the production yeah. and yeah. all of that? You know that in Montalcino, the consortium every year define the quality of the vintage by giving stars to, to that vintage. That's the way they they, the way they define the vintage. In 2012, How many stars? stars? One, two. It goes up, up to, to five? Five, five and, is the top. And 12 got and 12 five? 12 was five, yes. Like the 10, like it's going to be the 15. So that was a top vintage. And if you put the nose in, in, in this glass, you can really perceive the fruit, the fruit that is coming from that vintage. And uh, in the mouth, these are very fine tannins, very well balanced, but with a lot of power and structure. So this wine can They're really... They're very smooth rest. tannins. Absolutely. There's a lot of finesse yeah. but power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. got that beautiful Brunello color. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, this is this is a, a good wine. Um, you're happy, five star. We are very happy with this wine. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about a few things about the wine specifically. Brunello mm-hmm. goes through an aging process. Yes, un- unlike most other wines. Yeah, it's a very long process. It's a very. Let's tell me why it. <coughs> why it started or became a long process, and tell me a little about the process. Because yeah. when you look at Bordeaux or even Burgundy, there's yeah. not a lot of similarities in no. the timelines. No. And You're those right. are considered you know, great wines of the world. So, so why and, and what is it? But, uh, why we should ask Clemente Biondisanti, which invented the process. So when he innovated in, Brunello, he decided it, that exactly. that's part of the invention and innovation. Absolutely. Okay, that was part of the rules to get this quality with Sangiovese in Montalcino. So uh, this is, a, as we said, Sangiovese is not an easy varietal, but by having this long last aging process, which is four years. I mean, the, the, the normal Brunello is released four years after the harvest. Right. So it's a huge investment because can you imagine to keep for inventory. four years inventory? It's a huge investment. But this wine well deserved that because once it gets into the market, it's really refined, ready to drink, and very well aged. And that's the, the probably the best process to get the best from the Sangiovese into the terroir. Did he? Do you think he felt back in those days that in order to up the quality of the wine, additional aging 
would make it a world-class wine? I mean, what was his motivation? I mean, I believe the motivation was exactly that. Because the wine was not considered no, before not considered great that. wine from the area, right? No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He had in mind to have this top wine, always. That's why he bought, he kept uh, a lot of uh, all the vintages also to, to analyze the evolution of the wine through right. the years. But definitely the aging process is something which is... Uh, functional to get this excellence quality right from now wines. you talked about the anata which is the yep. uh regular brunello mm-hmm. that's four years after harvest yes. then there's reservers in brunello you make a reserva the reserva requires additional uh, additional year yes so in five the, years it's five years but in the case of beyond the Sant, as i said before we release one year behind the others. So the, the low, it's four years for the regular right. and five for the reserva. But in our case, it's five and six. Six. Because you, you, the power of our vineyard could be really allow a longer aging and to get even better. Right. Staying there one, one year more. Now, I'm intrigued by this, and it's a little nerdy. But I think people who know wine know that a lot of wine, not all wine, is aged in barrels. And Bordeaux ages in French barrels. Yep. Um, ironically, <coughs> I think Spanish wine uses a lot of American barrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there are other kinds. Brunello is pretty much Slovenian oak, right? Well, it's not Brunello. It's Brunello Biondisanti. Because okay, Brunello Biondi Santi. So Biondi Santi. Biondi Santi has always used Slavonian oak, big oak. That was again the traditional way of making Brunello, which was invented by the family. But today there are most of the producers are using barrique, which is but a different. Biondi still Slovenian. never used that. Will barrique. change the profile if you mix or change, right? It will change. We will never get one barrique for for doing that. No. Can you tell me what you think you know the differences are or what the Slovenian oak imparts to Biondi compared to other oak? To well, th- there are two big differences. One is in, in, the, in the size of the barrels, the barrel, which obviously the contact with the wood is much bigger. So the impact of the wood into the wine is much bigger. Bigger, so the, most of the wine goes into larger barrels in our versus case, what people large. visualize as rows of standard size yes, barrels, yes. which uh, for oxygen and the amount of exactly. wine has an effect on the yes, wine. Yes, absolutely. Right. absolutely. So that's why we, wanna, we don't want to use small oak. Okay, We have only big oak. And the second one is the kind of wood. That, I mean, the, the Slavonia oak it fits very well with our profile, with the acidity of this wine, and it melts better the profile, and refine better the profile of the Sangiovese, without being too much uh, stronger on the wine. You know, right. there is no much strong impact on the. On the now, wine. are some of the larger barrels are they older? We have barreled a big oak from the 1880. Really? And uh, yeah, but we now stop using that for producing wine because there is also a renovation that you have to apply. Right. But we are still using oak from the 40s, for example. Um, do you ever experiment with other oak? Or we did. We did, yes. Didn't like the results? We are under experimentation now, so I can't tell you much right. about that. But we are experimenting for different kind of wood now. And we'll see what happened. But uh, the, the Q 
key target for us is to keep coherence in the wine right. profile that we have. So that that's for us is a must. And one thing we didn't talk about is you make a uh, third wine, yep. which is a Rosso de Montalcino. And I wouldn't say Rosso is cheaper, less expensive, or not as good. It's just a different wine. Tell me, yes. tell me what the Rosso is, what Rosso is, yep. and tell me about the Beyond Di Santi. Yeah, so Rosso basically is, the, is what we call the entry level in the model of Montalcino. Uh, it's still produced with 100% Sangiovese grapes. In our case, are the younger vines that are used for Rosso, and, uh, and it doesn't go through the four-year aging. It's uh, just released after two years. So, it's, so it it's ages two years, though. It is two years in our case, one right. year for the others. Right. So by law, it's just one year after the, the, the harvest. So that's, uh, that's an easier wine, but uh, still very elegant uh, because it's, uh, it's fresher. Right. It's, uh, right. Um, I have a feeling <coughs> that the Beyond Di Santi Rosos may compete with other Brunellos just because of the property, the soil, the winemaking, you know, yeah. everything that goes yeah. along with that. That's what some sommelier told me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think you've earned, you know, yeah. that, yeah. that yeah. right. Um, Giampiero, we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, I have a few more questions for you. Um, we have time to taste some wine for our weekly wine sip. I think I want to subject you to our wine list and have you answer a few questions. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking to Giampiero Bertolini. He is the new CEO of legendary Brunello de Montalcino House, Biondi Santi. You're listening to The Grape Nation. We'll be back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MoFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Giampiero Bertolini. Giampiero is the uh, CEO of Biondi Santi, the Brunello de Montalcino um, producer in uh, Il Greppo, Italy. Um, I wanted to ask you, there were a lot of changes in... Italy, in Tuscany, 
around Montalcino um, in the 70s and 80s. And I think there were two, at least two major things that happened. I think the introduction of Super Tuscans, yep. and I also think the proliferation of more winemakers. Um, yep. Yep. Let's start with the Super Tuscan thing. I think people define Super Tuscan as a Sangiovese-based wine with the addition of other grapes like Cabernet, changes the profile. Um, it makes it, what does it do? It makes it a bigger, broader-shouldered wine? Well, that was a great invention, I would say. The, right. the Super Tuscan was a great invention because basically what we call vino da tavola, which was not part of any... Like a table wine or something? Yeah, table wine, something right. like that. Uh, the concept was to bring the vino da tavola <coughs> to a very high level of quality. At the, I mean, the, 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 the first to in, who introduced that concept was Sassicaia, as you may know. Right. And, uh, and today the Super Tuscan is not something which is defined by law, but it's a concept that means high-end wines which are not part of the appellation. There's no DOC, DOCG no. for Super no, Tuscan? No, absolutely not. Like, like yeah. a table wine, you could yeah. just yeah, do it's whatever. It's called IGT, right. Indicazione Geografica Tipica, but uh, they, they don't undergo any kind of rule. So it could be Sangiovese with Cabernet, could be Merlot. Bordeaux blend, like in Bulgaris, for example. Uh, that was a great category because definitely elevated the profile of the quality wine from Tuscany. Attention. As a Attention, etc. But did it have an effect? You know, here you are, this old school legendary maker. People are a little like, okay, they're good, but, you know, this is the hot thing. I mean, or things were fine. No, I, I would say that, that overall was a positive uh, phenomenon for Tuscany. To this day, you feel that way? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely, absolutely. It was, th uh, it was positive. Yeah. Most of the people making the Super Tuscans are very serious, well-heeled. Yes, uh, there was a, an overcrowded situation, I would say, in the, lately on Super Tuscan, because everybody tried to make his own Super Tuscan, but in reality, the real Super Tuscan are few. Well, that was the, that was the second yeah. part of the yeah. question. Yeah. There was, in the 70s and 80s, a growth of winemakers. Yeah. Um, I guess a lot of that points towards Super Tuscans, and I think a lot of other Brunello makers came in. Yeah. Um, that was the 70s and 80s? That was in the 70s and 80s. Why yes. did that happen? It was just the right time because the product was getting attention? Mm. I believe there Why was, was there, there that spike? There was a need to get out from the denomination because uh, economically speaking, the denomination limits yourself because right. I mean, there is a sort of pricing for Brunello, a pricing for Chianti, a pricing. And the Super Tuscan don't have any kind of limitation because it's just Super Tuscan, which doesn't mean anything. So Easy to jump into. Easy to jump into. Not very easy to impose into the market because... Up to now, there are few really super Tuscan that really benefit from this positioning. Right. So after the... the, the, the Does it really boil down to that? I mean, you no, would know I, as I well. Believe, it, there's really a handful it, of, yeah. of well-made. Yeah. There are others, but beyond that, you know, either the quality or they're not really representing the category. No, there are many good products on so-called super Tuscan, right. but there are very few which are really recognized as such. Right. That, that's the point. 
That's the point. And there are those who were invented at the beginning, basically, in the 70s, as you mentioned. Which, which I wanted to get into because I, I think two things. One, your background is important to where Brunello's and this brand can go um, and how people, you know, have perceived Brunello's, you know, around the world. Let's start with um, Brunello as a category. Does it get the attention, recognition, sales around the world yeah. that it deserves? Or is there still a growth stage for that? No, definitely there is a growth stage for Brunello. Right. But, uh, more than some other wines. I mean, you could say that yes. about everything. No, no, much more I, than you. Right. Much more. Much okay. more. If you, go to, if you come to Italy and you ask to a con normal consumer, tell me one wine, they will tell you, a quality wine, they will tell you one, Sassicaia on one side and Brunello on the other. Right. That's what they know. That means that in the mind of the consumer, not only literally, all over the world, Brunello, it's a quality proposition. So there is a lot of work to do, but there is a lot of space to grow. And Brunello now is very hot. If you believe yes. that the cost for an hectare in the Brunello area now is the highest in Italy, it's close to one million per hectare. Wow. One million. It's like Napa. But yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's extremely The prices high. have gone crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. gone crazy. That's because the, the high demand that Brunello has having it everywhere in the world now. So there is a huge space for growth, especially for those Brunello, like Beyond Di Santi. Which well, that was my next question. Beyond Di Santi yeah. can use some exposure and marketing. You're yeah. in a good place at yeah. a good time. Yeah, absolutely. The, the brand has all the vitals. Yeah, yeah. You know, history, well-made, yeah. consistency. Yeah. Um, I guess one of your objectives is to... Get it, get it out there. It is. It is absolutely because we don't look at Brunello or Italy. We look at international positioning with Biondi Santi and we want to increase our value as much as we can. To How? By keep increasing quality first because the quality is, uh, I mean, it's. That was it's never key. a problem. No, that was not a right. problem. But, and then start investing much more into the telling the story, telling what we are. That's, it's, not, it's simply to say it's not easy to implement, but that's, that's, uh, we own the history of Brunello. So we have to deliver this message all over the world. How do you do that? I mean, is that paid advertising? Is no, it social media? Not. Is it connecting with sommeliers, distributors? I mean, what are the we will work roots on of getting that done? Three level, I would say on two levels. One side, by involving all our trade around the world and in talking to them, informing them by one-to-one -one meeting. On the, on the other side, communicating to consumers through PR, through social, but obviously in a way which is due to this kind of product, right. obviously. Right. Yeah. You want to keep it consistent to yeah. the image and all. This was not done in the last 20 years. So we have to catch up with a normal situation but where we have to communicate. The great news is the upside is yeah, very high. No, 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 no. Know. But that's I'm saying yeah. that in a positive way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we talked about this a little off air um, before we taste a little wine, and uh, I ask you to answer my uh, <coughs> wine list. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of the most prominent sommeliers on my show, mm -hmm. and. You know, a lot of them are Italian restaurants, whether it's Babo or Morea, Marini, all these places. And I say Sangiovese or Barolo. Yeah. 
and this is just me, it's not scientific, it just seems like the tilt is towards Barolo, which leads me to believe that Sangiovese doesn't get the respect it deserves. And then I did a little research, and a dear friend of mine who just wrote a book, Rajat Parr, yeah. talks about no negative about Sangiovese, but it just doesn't get the respect. Okay. Do you feel or sense that? I mean, is that a challenge of yours? It is a challenge, and I believe that it's also a question of numbers here, because Nebbiolo is very tiny in terms of hectare produce, while Sangiovese is very vast in Italy. But there is Sangiovese and Sangiovese. You cannot compare the Sangiovese in Emilia-Romagna with the Sangiovese in Montalcino. Of course. So um, we need to educate the Psalms on Sangiovese. That's why also Biondisanti is doing some master classes around the world on Sangiovese explaining what is the real Sangiovese coming from Toscany and specifically from Montalcino, which is something which has an extraordinary quality. I mean, that's recognized from, not from everybody right. for the Brunello. So, yes, it's a big challenge, but I believe it's something that we can achieve through, that's part of through the Brunello. going forward, Absolutely. addressing that issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one last thing. There is a wine, and people can get confused. Vino de Nobili de Montepulciano. And people hear Montepulciano, Montalcino. Yeah, they don't yeah, know what they heard. Yeah, 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 Just yeah. tell me quickly, difference. Well, difference are two different kind of uh, varietals. They're quite similar because the, the original clone is still the Sangiovese. Right. But... I would say the most uh, differentiating factor is the location. I mean, uh, right. Montalcino has this fantastic position. So Batuara and location. Yeah, which makes at the end the difference in the, into the, right. the final products. I say no yeah. more. I mean, yeah. I think, no, you know, no, that's I mean, that, enough. That uh, comes from the soil. So that's... Uh, All right. Yeah. Um, Giampiero, every week we ask our guests to answer our wine list mm -hmm. because when we have an opportunity to sit in front of the best people in the business, we want to know what they're drinking. Mm -hmm. So this is five questions. We ask the same five questions to everybody. Don't dwell or obsess on them. Mm -hmm. um, just answer them as best as you can. Yeah. And the first question is, what are you drinking now? What's on your table at home? What's at work? What are you trying? Is it seasonal? Yeah. You know, beyond the Beyond Di Santi thing. Are you curious about anything? Yeah. Yeah. So in this specific moment, which is, I mean, winter. Right. So Seasonal. Seasonal. Red. I'm on bread, definitely. Obviously, Sangiovese, it's uh, mostly yeah, on my table, but I'm a great fan of Pinot Noir. Okay. So if I had to pick a bottle and to celebrate something, I would definitely get a Pinot Noir, which could be either from France. So French Burgundy. French Burgundy. And also. or... Yeah. What else? Yeah, and you, then no, and also uh, I like very much the German Pinot Noir. There's okay, some German, very nice. It's a German. much lighter, lighter, even more yes. restrained. Yes, yes, but I like that very much. Okay, yeah. sure. Um, do you have a favorite wine and food pairing? Is there something not that you eat it every night or even once a month, but is there a pairing that you've had with wine that just resonated yes. with you? I do. As a Tuscan person, I really like to pair steak with a great Brunello. 
because the steak is a nice there. big bloody Tuscan yeah. steak. Exactly. That may be the, the Florentine steak, you know. The besides one champagne and oysters, a Tuscan steak and Brunello well, may be the greatest pairing. I'm allergic to seafood, so I cannot. So, <laughs> but you can't disagree that those no, no. are two of the greatest absolutely, pairings. Okay? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Fully agree. Um, Fully agree. Yeah. All right. I don't know how you're going to answer this, but let's figure out. I asked my guests their favorite wine restaurant and or bar. So I think what we should do is probably enough of our listeners travel. They're in Tuscany. Um, if you want to tell me a place that just does wine really well in the area or New York or around the world, can you think of one or two places, you know, without leaving a friend out or being exclusive? Are there any places that are just really good? Well, in, in Tuscany, one of the, my favorite, and it's probably one of the best restaurants in, in Italy, it's the Enoteca Pinchiorri. Enoteca Pinchiorri, Enoteca Pinchiorri. In the, uh, in what hotel is that in? No, there is not in an hotel. It's, uh, it's by itself. Is it? It's, yeah. Okay. It's an amazing place. That Spell? Enoteca Pinchiorri. P-I-N-C-H-E-O-R-R-I. Enoteca Pinchiori. Pinchiori. Just a very fine restaurant with yeah. an incredible wine list. Yeah, it's an incredible wine list. It's uh, probably the biggest seller, one of the biggest sellers in the world for, for, uh, for wine. I mean, they own probably 80,000 bottles. Jeez, amazing. amazing. But the food is, um, is astonishing. The food is astonishing. So that's, that's probably my favorite. Is there a wine bar where if you just want wine? No, and a, no, no, no. It's a fine dine restaurant. So you but have, do you have a, a wine bar, another destination that you like that you can go to, or it's uh, mostly restaurants? No, restaurant, mostly, mostly restaurants. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, do you have, does Gian Piero Bertolini have an all-time favorite wine? Now, it could be one, it could be two. What I realized in asking this question is it doesn't have to be the rarest, yep. the most expensive. No, no. A lot of time it's boiled down to the experience, who and where you had it with. Sure. Is there a wine that you could separate? There is a wine which to me is something astonishing. I'm a very passionate of Riesling. Okay. So there is a Riesling called Nomhoff. Nomhoff. N-O-H-O-F-F. N-O-H-O-F-F. Yeah, which is something astonishing. Like Donhoff without the D-O. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, This is something really astonishing. So that's one of the wine that I always keep in my mind. Now, current and older vintages? Sorry? Current vintages or or older vintages? Older, but not so old. I tested two weeks ago, for example, I was in Germany. I tested the winter 2013. Not that old, but no, no, some good bottle old, age. But they can age for 25 years. So that's, uh, but that profile of wine make me really crazy. Okay, that's a, that's <laughs> a good one. It's great to hear uh, an Italian red wine Brunello maker single out a Riesling. Riesling yeah. is a favorite yeah. um, to a lot of people. Yeah. All right, I think you can answer this, and we could approach it different ways. I ask everyone to recommend the best wine around 15, 20 U.S. dollars retail um and it could be a category mm-hmm. it could be a maker it could be a region like for instance muscadet is a delicious wine for white that's very yeah. reasonable in yeah. that price range yeah 
Do you think Rosso or I, I mean, what are some great value wines? It doesn't have to be Brunello or whatever. No, no, no. I understand. I understand. Between fifty and fifteen dollars and twenty dollars and twenty dollars retail, not wholesale. Yeah. So I could definitely recommend one wine from Tuscany. Go ahead. That's what I'm looking for. Which is called uh, Allier. Spell. A A L I E. Allier is the a rosé wine produced by Frescobaldi. Okay. In the estate of Amiralia in down in in, in Maremma, Toscana. And this is something really astonishing. What kind of grapes is he using? They have uh, Shiraz and Vermentino. Nice. So they are very is a very fresh but with this kind structure. It's uh, it's something astonishing. That's exactly what I was looking for. Now give me a white Think of a white. A white, uh, white from Tuscany. From anywhere. You know, any wine that you pick up that's a great value. Is it Vermentino? Is it Verdicchio? No, I like very much Sauvignon from, uh, for example, Sauvignon from uh, Friuli. Okay. Sauvignon from Friuli, there are many. Sauvignon Blanc? Sauvignon Blanc from, from Friuli. Friuli. Yes, okay. absolutely. That, that's and those great. tend to fall in that price range, and they're well-made and a good absolutely. value. Absolutely. Can you think of a maker? Does anything come to mind? Well, there is one. It's called Athens, which is... Spell. A-T-T-E-M-S. Okay. Count Athens was the founder of the consortium of Collio. C-O-L-I-O. Combination in Collio. Uh, this, uh, that Sauvignon is amazing. Okay. Um, I tell everyone that we post on our social media your wine list and all this stuff because people are very curious and okay. you know, they, they go out and um, try them. Uh-huh. Um, great job on that. And like I said, we'll post uh, Giampiero's uh, answers on our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right. Before we wrap up, I am <coughs> graced by the fact that Giampiero brought in three different Beyond Santes. We're going to spend the most time on the Reserva, Reserva. but yep. we'll talk about the other ones too. So the Reserva is a 2011 yep. Beyond Sante. Yep. Tell me a little more about the wine. So first of all, the Reserva, as we said, uh, is released six years after the, the, the harvest. And uh, this vintage was a uh, good vintage, not excellent. So we had... 12 to, better than 11, this being the 11. That's the 11. Okay. That's the 11. We had to uh, postpone a little bit the harvest to manage later? the season. Later, yeah. Okay. But uh, at the end, uh, we came out with this wine here, which is, has a great structure, uh, very fine tannins, and a very long finish. The okay. reserve is something that has a... So let, let's evaluate it. Color? Color is quite intense, as you can see. Yeah. Is a Classic color? Classic color, quite uh, still ruby red. Ruby red. The edges are eight, fine. Exactly. It's perfectly fine. And L- Let's uh, go nose. Yeah. You give me the descriptors. If you feel the nose, the nose is uh, still of a uh, young wine. You don't feel tobacco yet. You feel more the fruit. Right. It's a fruit which will be evolved in the year to come, but it will take probably 20, 25, 30 years, this wine here. So it's a, it's a very live wine. Right. If you put it in your mouth, you Give will... Give me the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. 
the entrance is quite full. Full. The tannins are very well refined. Very smooth. Smooth. Integrated. Integrated. And the, um, the acidity is still very present, which makes the difference from this Brunello from most of the others. Because which I think goes well with food. Yeah, with absolutely. acidity, right? We, it depends which food, but yeah, definitely. Right, of course. Food and food. I'm going to ask you that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Does the palate reflect the nose? What else <coughs> do you get on the palate? I, I believe so. It's very well balanced, and uh, you, it's there is there is coherence here. You know, in, in the nose, you perceive what I say is still the fruit, which we will have right then in the in your mouth. So it's quite coherent. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So the 2011 Reserva. Yeah. Because every wine, every vintage is different. What would you pair? this wine with now if somebody bought it and opened it this year next year this goes very well with uh, uh, meat with uh, quite a lot of uh, grass how do you say it uh, fat fatty meats fat, fatty meats yeah. because uh, these tannins could clean hold up to hold the up fat. and cleans very well your mouth that's a very good pairing and uh, with also with a very nice risotto for example and parmesan cheese it can hold up to the creaminess yeah, and richness. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is a terrific wine. What I think would be fun is to try the Rosso. Absolutely. Because um, we've been drinking yeah. the uh, 2012. Yeah. Now I'm guessing this is a terrific wine, the 11 Reserva. You're going to be thrilled about the 2012 Reserva based on what you told me Absolutely. about Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So the Rosso de Montalcino. Let's tell everyone again what the Rosso is. So the Rosso is the is produced from a younger vineyard at the estate of uh, Biondisanti, and is not aged uh, like the Brunello. It's aged only two years in our case. Um, Are all Rossos? Age two years or a year? So you're doing everything um, uh, an additional year? An additional year. Uh, By law, it's just one year. Grape is always 100% Sangiovese. So let finish. And this is very important because it's the first taste of the fantastic 2015 vintage in Tuscany. So this is the real first bottle. That so here's your taste. window into yeah, the 15. Yeah, the window into the 15. If the Rosso is good, yeah. the Brunellos are going to be, be fantastic. Okay, all right. Be. So let's let's quickly go through this because it's nice to go both ends. Absolutely. This is so a, you, a little deeper, darker color. It is. The it edges is. are darker. The it, color it, is it's dark. lighter. It's lighter as well. The, the red is even more. Yeah. Evident. So that's Blue your color. Yeah, color. Tell me the nose. Obviously, it's going to be younger, but what it's, do you it's pick It's younger. Up? It's younger. The fruit is very strong here. Yes. The fruit is extremely strong. And if you put this in the mouth, you feel a very well-balanced fine, very fine, because this vintage is really very elegant. And It's you, elegant, yet more unctuous mm-hmm. than the Reserva. It's a little more... Mm-hmm. The tannins are terrific, right? Mm-hmm. They're not grainy or rough. Berry. You feel this berry. In, in the mouth. And so the uh, palate, you get berry? You get berry in the dark palate. Dark berries? Red dark, berries? Dark berries. Okay. Yeah. But you feel this finesse and this long finish and these tannins are really very well balanced and it's a long finish for, for being What foods Russo. would you recommend go with this? Well, it's not very much different from the other. Right. Because it's still Sancho. It can hold up to red meats, exactly. fatty, exactly. a exactly. rich, creamy risotto Absolutely. with anything. You Even know. a very nice steak. Very right. nice steak. This That's would hold it. up to steak, sure. too. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so we tasted the 2011 Reserva Biondi Santi, which is the Reserva that's on the market. We've been drinking the 2012 Anata, which was just released, and that's the regular um, Brunello de Montalcino. And Giampiero yep. says 12 was a great year, just as yep. 11. And the 2015 Rosso de Montalcino, which again is another. Um, great vintage year and it's nice to go with a great producer with one of their more value oriented wines wines yep. with this which is the rosso which is available in the market now it is available absolutely in the market. okay yes um all this stuff is available you know at better wine stores um you know where you shop yep. all right john piero we're going to wrap up the show um, I thank you. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Follow us on Instagram at sbenruby and the hashtag The Grape Nation. Mm -hmm. On Twitter, we're at Ben Ruby. Also, subscribe to The Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. As I said earlier, we'll post Jean Piero's wine list answers. And we'll post all the wines that we tasted today on the weekly wine sip and during the show. Um, Jean Piero, if we want to find out more about Beyond Desante on social media yep. or websites, Absolutely. where do we go? We go on the website. Website is beyonddesante.com. Okay. And uh, it's a very rich site. Talks about history, the product. It's not very rich yet, but we it's are good enough. It's, we it, are it's good enough. It's well, good that's enough. your job. Yeah. yeah, it's our job. Exactly. You just started. Exactly. You know, exactly. last, last year. Yeah. We'll <laughs> You're not ready with everything. We'll give you a chance. <laughs> exactly. We I'll will check do back with you. We'll do our but best. it will change. But it's not a bad start. No, no. And then, yeah. what about? Are you doing any social media, or are you going to ramp that up? We are doing something here in the U.S. definitely okay. to our partner Wilson Daniels. Okay. So they will run something here. Right. And uh, not yet back in Italy. Okay. Um, I want to thank our guest, Jean-Pierre Bertolini. Jean-Pierre Jean -Pierre is the uh, new CEO of uh, Biondi Santi. He has a lot of exciting things in store for an already storied winery. I want to thank our engineers and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.